0: Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and I'll be taking on hosting these podcasts for the time being from Ewan Lawson, our journal editor-in-chief, who has recorded over 85 podcasts, all of which are available on the BJGP Life website in today's episode, we talked to Dr. Dan Jones, who is a GP and an academic clinical lecturer at the University of Leeds, and we're going to be discussing his paper titled Factors Influencing Symptom Appraisal and Help-Seeking of Older Adults with Possible Cancer, a Mixed Method Systematic Review, and this paper is now available to download from the BJGP website. I started off by asking Dan a bit more about why he decided to do this research.
1: Okay, so um, so my academic clinical lecture was a, was a themed um, lectureship looking at um, on the themes of frailty and cancer diagnosis. Um, so this was sort of an earlier part of that, really, or our first part of that sort of information finding mission. Um, looking at what has been done um, in the area of older adults and cancer diagnosis. Um, I'm a GP and it's a primary care sort of placement, so I wanted to look at the primary care part of the cancer pathway. So we had already done a review looking at what happens to older adults within the consultation, so from presenting to general practice to referral um, and how age and frailty affected that, and it seemed like a natural um well, not progression, but uh, maybe in addition to see how um, frailty and old age affected um, appraisal and help seeking. So, the sort of before they got to the consultation door, for example.
0: Could you flesh out a little bit more about this concept of symptom appraisal and what that means?
1: Yeah. Of- course yeah so within the world of cancer diagnosis they're quite nicely defined and we probably know them well um but there's like path. there's a pathway to cancer diagnosis and the first stage of that is symptom appraisal and it's defined as the time from noticing a change in your body to perceiving a need to seek help for that change in your body so it's a a sort of a you've noticed something different and you've realized it's potentially worrying um so you to have decided to to think about seeking help and then um the help seeking part is the the next stage in the pathway to diagnosis which is from recognizing that this new change in your body is potentially a worrying symptom to getting to the gp door and the um steps that that takes
0: all in all would this be kind of the patient bit of the potential delay. I see it as
1: that yeah, yeah. so combined uh, it's yeah it's the patient interval and it's the bit before they get to general practice it's still important for general practitioners to know and think about I think because there are things we can do to promote help seeking and um more like um community things we can do to help symptom
0: appraisal I think tell me a bit more about what you did in this research yeah. Okay. So
1: it was a systematic review. Um, so we searched for all the evidence of uh, on the impact of old age. We just chose age um, on on um, symptom appraisal and help seeking. So the terms we used for searching were appraisal and help seeking terms, and then things around around old age. And it was cancer specific. So we tried to have some cancer themes. Um, we had the help of a specialist information um, person, a librarian, to help help us with the, the searching. Um, we chose over 65 as the cutoff for old age. Um, probably controversial, I bet there are hundreds, of, if not thousands, of over 65s that do not feel like they're aged, but um, the World Health Organisation used that as their cutoff, and um, it seemed like a, a more of a catch-all Um in America, they have a term the oldest old, which is over 80s. Um, so we decided we just wanted older adults, hence use the 65 cutoff. We did all the usual um stuff you do on a systematic review. We defined our eligibility criteria, we registered it with Prospero. Um, But we essentially were looking for for studies that gave any any information on that specific older
0: group. Tell me what you found then. So what were sort of the main results that you got from this? uh, Yeah, Um,
1: so we found 80 studies, um, over 300,000 participants. Um, They were in multiple different countries um, and over a range of cancers. Um, I suppose the headlines are that, we found we th- we thought we found a, a, a link that um, symptom appraisal is longer in older adults, um, and that help seeking the help seeking interval is shorter in older adults. Um, it was quite hard to work that out. It was basically a, ended up being a counting um, <coughs> counting technique of just seeing which studies suggested there was longer and a shorter interval. There wasn't really any stats we could do on it. The studies were so different and on different cancers, um, but there was. Looking at the, the results and the the uh, diagrams, it certainly seemed like older adults had a longer appraisal interval and a, and a shorter help-seeking interval. If we looked at that in more detail, even when help-seeking was shorter in older adults, we found um, lots of potential barriers to um, older adults seeking help. And we thought they were important to bring out. Um, the studies were... Quantitative and qualitative, and the results sort of combine them both. But um, when we looked at help seeking, the barriers, despite having a shorter overall interval, we thought the barriers included things like having family and friends either um, prompting or or suggesting not to seek help, um, having competing priorities, specifically caring for spouses came up a lot. If they were caring for frailer older people, um, fear and embarrassment about cancer and cancer treatments. Uh, uh, a sort of, We termed it fatalism, it's been used in that way before, but sort of a, a, a thought that life's events are predetermined and cannot be changed, hence there's no point in seeking help. Um, patients' comorbidities came up a lot as a, as a barrier to help seeking um, and a desire or a feeling of not wanting to bother the doctors or waste their time. And there was lots of evidence of older adults self-managing their symptoms first, trying pain relief over-the-counter remedies time before seeking help
0: so tell me more about this interplay between um symptom appraisal and multimorbidity. so did any of the papers yeah, look at that in any detail
1: they did and that was a key one of the key findings really i was going to come on to tell you about so within the symptom appraisal section the two things we thought that affected that was symptom awareness so patients just not really knowing that a symptom was a red flag of cancer But then interpreting those symptoms, um, patients seem to often put their their new symptoms or their bodily changes that they've noticed down to old age, um, so specifically that, or down to their comorbidities. So as we get older, we're more and more likely to have other comorbidities and and they can mask or present in a similar way to to cancers. And, you, you know, you could think of 100 examples, couldn't you, but COPD causing breathlessness and a cough and lung cancer causing breathlessness and a cough. Both caused by smoking, um, you know, heart failure, just causing general fatigue, shortness of breath. Um, there's, there's, you could you could list hundreds, couldn't you? And there was there was lots of examples of patients thinking, "Oh, my new cough is just my my COPD," or it, or it might even be, you know, their their ACE inhibitor for their hypertension, or um, they've they've blamed it or put it down to other other things, and therefore not sought help or delayed seeking help.
0: So that sounds like a really complex problem that's not going to be easy to unpick or solve. So you mentioned that there are two aspects of that. So people don't recognise it as a red flag. And then the second aspect was putting down symptoms to old age or multimorbidity. So the red flag bit, maybe you could target with, uh, you know, advertising campaigns or something to make people aware of these cancer red flags that we recognise, but so that they recognise it. But what could we do in terms of the second aspect of that, where people maybe rightly or wrongly ascribe their symptoms to what else is going on in their lives?
1: Yeah, good. So, yeah, I agree with that, Nadra. I think um, I can't think of a specific sort of be clear on cancer message that was targeted for older adults. So I think that is something that could be done and maybe should be done. Cancer is most common in, in older adults, it's a disease of older people so so why why not target specifically those those symptoms or, or older adults so I think we should do that. Um, what we do about interpretation is, is much harder isn't it specifically the fact that they've not got to the GP door yet um, however the very fact that they're having they've got comorbidities means they're, they're more likely to have regular contact with their GP um, aren't they they're, they're going to be having medication reviews they'll be having blood tests they'll be having um, just chronic disease annual reviews. And perhaps having, with an awareness that we're incredibly busy and overstretched and um, time is short, perhaps that is an opportunity. It might not even be done by the general practitioner. Sometimes practice nurses could could highlight or ask specific, you know, specific, especially, for example, if it's a COPD annual review and we know that COPD is caused by smoking, as is lung cancer, could ask some some questions about have you had these symptoms. So I feel that the annual review is a good good way to to get at this um but it would mean being proactive which we're good at in general practice but it requires time doesn't it
0: but you you mentioned that so this the symptom appraisal interval was longer and the help seeking interval was shorter is that right yeah yeah
1: yeah but i still felt there was was something to target with the barriers there hence the, the thinking about help seeking as well um, even though it suggested it was shorter in older adults, that there were still things we could do to improve it. Um, yeah, that, that came out in the review. But yeah, overall, compared to younger people, it seemed that they did seek help quicker.
0: And you mentioned about this concept of the very oldest old. Um, did you look at any of the results in the context of different? age groups over 65 so did you look at what people over 90 might be doing as opposed to people who are 65?
1: Not in this review nad um, however we are um, doing an interview study at the moment um, of patients patients over 80 um, because I think in general practice we'd all recognise there's a difference between a 66 year old and a 92 year old um, in, in how we manage them and, and and what we would do with their symptoms and well in, just in terms of their life expectancy I suppose. So um, we are exploring that, that, that difference. I, I think most GPs would happily, urgently refer a 66-year-old with any cancer symptom and not think twice about it. Um, but if we get into the 90s with multiple comorbidities and other problems, would is an urgent referral the right thing to do? Is that what patients want? And, um, and going forward, does it, does it impact on their life expectancy, their treatment, their, their quality of life by having this done? And are they having more um, reactions or problems or, or morbidity from testing and investigations?
0: Great. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so are there any other key findings that you wanted to highlight coming out of this review or any yeah anything else you wanted to just pick up on? Yeah.
1: I suppose the only other thing that I mentioned right at the end of this paper was that it wasn't specifically in any way or, or linked to any any. Um, results specifically but frailty dementia you know the frailty syndrome um, dementia cognitive impairment um, and comorbidities came up a lot um, throughout both reviews we've done so far um, and how they interact with each other and interact with cancer appraisal help seeking referral and recognition is is as yet unexplored, I, I think almost entirely comorbidities We're getting there. We're starting to do that. Um, but dementia and frailty symptom, syndromes, we haven't really looked at how they can, how they affect um, cancer diagnosis and, and appraisal and help seeking. So I think that is a real like um, area of research that we need to focus on or, or look at um, and it, as I say, it's hard to. It was we were saying when we wrote the results and the implications. Do we even mention this? Because there wasn't really specific points, but it was just throughout the papers and throughout the review, you saw it and, and recognized it. Um, so we we did put it in as a final thing to think about for future research and uh, and and how they interplay with each other as well is uh, is interesting.
0: We touched a bit about some of the implications for practice, but do you have any advice for? Patients or for jobbing GPs about what we should be doing in people who are older in terms of helping them with the, the symptom appraisal and help seeking behaviors or delays?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, if there is an opportunity to um, educate patients in their in their chronic reviews or, or in any, any consultation, I, I always smile at a very unrealistic model of the consultation that was something like called the, the extraordinary potential of the consultation Stott and, davis. and it was and it Stott and davis yeah and it's almost an impossible model but I, I think if there is spare time in a consultation things like educating about cancer red flags in, in older adults or just checking that fatigue and weight loss uh, you know things that old adults older adults might not even think to mention just asking about them might might find cancer cancer cases or or, or at least make them aware that they're their red flag symptoms so exploring things like that that are potential red flags but more vague but very common in older adults that that might be helpful um and is there stuff we can do in the waiting rooms or or information posters about about red flags specifically for older adults or or the legitimizing of help seeking there there might be simple things like that we can we can do can't we to our our own be clear on cancer messages specifically for older adults to try and and help uh, encourage appraisal and help seeking i suppose yeah, I, I I think about this a lot now that how does this help the normal GP given that it's before they've got to general practice. But I, I suppose knowing that even when they've got the fact that when they've got to your door, you know there's been this period beforehand, which is potentially more troublesome in older adults, makes might make the GPs think uh, more seriously about the symptoms that they've got. And so ha- perhaps just awareness that this period is here and it could potentially be longer might be helpful too.
0: Can I ask you just to summarise some of the key findings in a few sentences? So tell me just what what the paper was about and what your main findings were.
1: Okay, so um, we've undertaken a a systematic review which included 80 studies looking at the effect of old age on um, appraisal of symptoms and help-seeking. We found overall that old age um, may be associated with a longer um, appraisal interval and a shorter help-seeking interval. Um, but even within the help-seeking interval, there were barriers that we found to um, seeking help. And specifically to older adults, these, these were having a carer role, the influence of friends, friendly and friends, uh, family and friends, um, fear and embarrassment and a desire to not um, waste a doctor's time, as well as a period of self-management often. Um, there are things we can do with it in primary care, um, and we've touched on that.
0: Okay, great. Well, that's a great note to end on. So all that remains is for me to say thank you very much. And thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found, as I've mentioned earlier, on bjgp.org. And the show notes and podcast audio can also be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe in all the usual places from your podcaster of choice. And apologies today for sounding like death warmed up. It's been a really bad combination of a cold and being double COVID and flu jabbed yesterday. And one last thing to mention, the BJGP Research Conference returns on Friday, the 31st of March 2023. The conference is going to bring together UK and international general practice research, and we'll have some great opportunities for networking at the event. The abstract submission site is up and running, so if you'd like to present your work, then please do visit the website, which is available through the BJGP Twitter account. Thanks again for listening!